general nerdery. Hi everybody, Tyler here. I know at the end of last episode we said that next will be Red Dwarf, but uh, seeing as that I am the editor of this show and we had it recorded, I really wanted to make sure that we got this episode up for Thanksgiving Day. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful holiday, and Red Dwarf will be coming soon, but in honor of the holiday, uh, please enjoy a little bit of decolonativization with Reservation Dogs. All right, Zach, I thought I'd start this I one off. I just was so confused for a second there. Because... Uh, I know, I know earlier in the week you had a little bit of hesitation on being the white guy commenting on this show since we're about to talk about Reservation Dogs. I was going to intro part two with this, but yeah, let's do this. And so I'm going to take a little bit of pressure off you. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm going to start this episode with the thing that's going to get under Indian country's skin the most, like the, the, the wildest phrase I could say right now, and then I'll explain it later just to hook them in. Okay. I'm part native. fuck you man (laughs) welcome to general nerdy your podcast about liking things i'm zach i'm tyler soon to be canceled um so uh we'll get to it later but today we are discussing reservation dogs um i will discuss when we get into part two a little bit of my hesitation on not hesitation but like concern being careful (laughs) let's just go with that but before that, what have we been ingesting? I mean, okay, so when we decided to do this episode, it's been mostly reservation dogs for me. I um in the past two weeks, I rewatched all three seasons at least once. Um, Christ, man. Okay, I've let's see. Over the course of the past week, as I got home from work, I rewatched all of this first season that we're going to be talking about then rewatched it again to start my weekend and went into season two again and then rewatched it all again this morning. Jesus. Okay. Um, also, let's see, what else did I? More Marvel Snap. And uh, I also had to get in, uh, I, I had to get through a, a horror video game for my other podcast, Fried Squirms. And horror oh, you video guys are games. doing a game this time. Or if it, yeah, we uh, our intent was to switch things up for the month of October because everybody talks about spooky movies in October, uh-huh. and then some. Of also, our... you run out of variations of trick or treat movies. Yes, that's that's the other thing. We ran out of variations of trick or treat movies, but uh, you know, some of our recordings got interrupted by life and like the fact that my co-host moved during that time. Holy shit! No wonder I haven't seen him. I mean, he's still around. I know, but, but... Like, <laughs> he's still in town. Just moved yeah, to no, a different place. But so, like, things got interrupted. So we're finally finishing off our non-movie month. Uh, so I played through all of the game Soma, which is really, really good. If I remember, horror video games are harder for you. They're real. harder for me. This, um, you know, what? I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk about it on the other podcast, but I'll talk about it here too. It has this one has a safe mode that I decided to try out and play on and see how that affected my experience. And it basically made it so none of the monsters that actually show up in it will... Hmm. They don't necessarily pursue you. If you get close enough to them, they'll still, like, hit you. Okay. And in some cases, they'll still chase you, 
And if they corner you, they can still kill you. But it's not like the normal AI settings for them either. Okay. Which, honestly, like, I, I read some, like, interviews with the developers and stuff. After they actually implemented that mode, they were like, maybe maybe because of, like, the themes we're talking about in the game and where the monsters actually come from, maybe we should have just done it this way in the first place? That's interesting, yeah. But it basically just turns the game from, like, puzzles that you have to do in between, like... Monsters chasing you? So it's not, like, even normal monsters chasing you, because normally you just have to, like, not look at them and, like, get into a corner and they'll forget about you. So it's almost kind of like going through the different mazes in, like, a Zelda game where you're just having to watch out for guards. Ah, okay. It's basically just nullifying that portion of it. Yeah, fair enough. And making it just, like, a puzzle game. Like, what do I have to do to open the next door? All right. Um, it's really good. It's really good. I. It's one that's kind of been thrown out there as like a mind melter for a lot of people with some of the themes and stuff that they talk about. But I kind of feel like if you're really into sci-fi, then a lot of the stuff you've thought about before. Okay. And we've talked about some of the themes and stuff. And like, actually, when we talked about Swamp Thing, because there's a whole lot of like, what is a person's identity sort of thing going on? And like, mm, if okay, all yeah, the, yeah. if all the memory and consciousness transfers, then is that still the same person? It's interesting. I, I would highly recommend it. It's just also with my own background, I didn't find it nearly as uh, like mind melting as a lot of the reviews around it seem to. That's fair. Very good. Very That's good. good. Yeah. And sh like short enough, like it's probably like a, six to ten hour game so easy to get through and that's about it that's, yeah it's not been a heavy one for ingesting stuff uh we are recording this the week of thanksgiving and we both work in a grocery store so shit sucks right now yeah. <laughs> god i have been at this grocery store for almost a decade and every year i'm like i'm ready for it this year and then i get to the monday before thanksgiving and i'm like i'm not ready i'm i'm not mm -hmm. so, um, but anyways so not as much as i would have liked i've got a bunch of smaller stuff um i'm sure i've mentioned it i've been reading the street fighter comic books okay yeah 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 because we were talking about Mortal Kombat and you mentioned a Street Fighter has a plot. And I was like, all right, I'm curious. And I know this comic has been running forever. And first of all, it's a fucking nightmare trying to track down the order to read these things in. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I don't... How much have you played Street Fighter? I mean, it's been a while, but like back in the day, quite a bit. Street Fighter 1, 2, 3 takes place way further on. Like four, five, and six all take place before three. Mm -hmm. One of them takes place before two, I think. Like, yep. So the timeline is fucking wild, and it's never quite clear if Street Fighter Two and Street Fighter Two Alpha or whatever. I don't even fucking know. I'm picking stuff are different games or different whatever. Does the um, comic use the original naming conventions? In a lot of cases, yes. So it's I so I'm trying to figure out Street Fighter versus Street Fighter 2 versus Street Fighter Unlimited versus But I mean for Balrog, Vega and Oh, Vega is the is Vega the Spanish 
ninja balrog is the mike tyson guy because they were worried about mike tyson mm-hmm. which is funny because when they found they're like mike tyson will sue the shit out of us if we don't change the name and then he found out and he's like that would have been cool <laughs> like yeah. um well because yeah because m bison so like but like the original japanese names are balrog and m bison got swapped around well, and it's a three-way swap oh okay because i think vega let me think so Bison is the boxer. Balrog is the claws, and Vega is the dictator. I believe. Weird. Okay. Which is why in tournaments they usually refer to them as claw, boxer, and dictator rather than any of the names. Okay. Yeah, they go with the American names okay. here. So far, it's mostly about Ken and Ryu, and they're the least interesting. Well, no, Yule is the least interesting character in this, but. Chun-Li and Cammy are starting to get to their own points and leading up. What it made me realize was that it I just have been wanting to read Manhua again. Japanese com or not Japanese, Chinese Kung Fu comics. Mm-hmm. Might be Manhua. Because it's manga, Manhua, and Manhua. And it's Japanese, Chinese, and Korean. But I get Korean and Chinese mixed up because they're fucking hard to get in Missoula, Montana. Yeah, yeah. So, but in the early 2000s, there was this weird era where there was a company putting out Chinese Kung Fu comics in America, and I was fucking addicted to them. And I was, like, reading this being like, God, this just makes me want more Chinese Kung Fu comics. And then they fucking brought on Andy Sito. Saito? S-E-I-T-O. Saito? I think Saito. For... Saito? Who is my second favorite Chinese comic book artist for an issue. And I was just like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like just keep him on forever. Like, because the art has been forgettably fine Mm. American manga stuff for street fighter. So like it works for the style, but like Andy Saito does the crouching tiger, hidden dragon comic, which is fucking gorgeous. So I'm still reading through this. I don't know how much farther I'm going to keep reading through this because it's been going for ever now. I might just switch over and finally finish my fucking uh, Storm Riders collection because Storm Riders is kung fu comic soap opera. This wasn't our trailers episode we just did, but Asia Fantasy Land, but it's fucking baller and it's all gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So might finally see if I can collect those. I would have to look up and see like how much is this out of print comic from China in a company that died in like 2005 cost. Cause either it'll be 499 or it'll be 499. And one of those I can do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah but you don't just give those $5 bills. To yeah, anybody. exactly. <laughs> um, let's see what else I've been listening to. Oddly. I, I got on a Doctor Who kick because the Doctor Who stuff is coming up. And we're going to talk about right now, just about right now, the, the Children in Time special we watched before this. But when I got BritBox for our Red Dwarf episode, I realized they had all of Doctor Who on there as well. Mm. So I watched, uh, at first, kind of on accident, I, I watched a seven-part documentary on all of the original Doctors all of the original series doctors that was like half an hour on the William Hartnell era episode two, half an hour on the Patrick Troughton era. It was a 
uh, thing that they did for the 50th anniversary special. Okay, gotcha. And I went, well, I have like half an hour to kill. And then I just watched all seven in one sitting. So whoops. And then I watched what I thought at first. I was like, I've watched so much Doctor Who. I watched two stories. But because they're like four or five episodes each, it feels like way more Mm -hmm. stories. I watched um, Spearhead from Space, which is the first third Doctor John Pertwee story where the Autons appear for the first time. Oh, cool. It's the first color Doctor Who episode. And the first time, it's not the first time Unit shows up, but it's where he first teams up and starts, like, he joins Unit at the end of it. Yeah, Yeah, I know. It's so James Bond. Like, I'd heard that before, but I didn't, not until watching this, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. (laughs) What you mean now? And then I watched The Three Doctors, which is the 10th anniversary special, which is... The original three doctors. Mm-hmm. Although William Hartnell had pretty hardcore dementia going on by that point. So uh, he was not heavily involved in that special. And then I've been listening to some audiobooks of old episodes, generally like lost episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they just turned them into audio novels mm-hmm. instead of like, well, we can't find this anymore because that house burned down in 1960. 1970, but but at least it lives on in this way. Yeah. And then starting last night, because we almost just started watching season two of res dogs, but I'm not going to, because I'm aware that my part in this episode is the person who's only seen season season one. one. Talking. It was hard though. So we started watching season two of red dwarf, which Mm. I've seen a bunch, but CC's never seen. Mm -hmm. We'll say, okay, one, it's always weird to watch the Crichton episode. Before, Before, oh yeah, um, I can't think of Robert Llewellyn. Yeah, it's funny that guy does a good job, but it's just so different. And then, um, stranger than what is it? No, better than life. Uh, Yeah, yeah, better Better than than life. life. It's different now that I know the words intrusive thoughts. Okay, because Rimmer's whole thing is just that he has intrusive thoughts fucking up his. Oh, and like, it's still really funny, but they're like, Rimmer, you suck. And I'm like, dude, he literally is having traumatic intrusive thoughts. Like, (laughs) give him a fucking break. But also, I mean, we're not going to go too into it because we've already watched Red Dwarf, but or done a Red Dwarf episode. But it really is the two worst people in existence. Lister is so much worse than I remember him being. He's so much better, too. Like, he's not Rimmer, but he is... (laughs) <laughs> he's Fucking so much worse terrible. he's not Rimmer but he's so much worse <laughs> uh, but yeah and then we watched the and I showed it to you just before this we watched the Doctor Who Children in Need right. special which is a little short it's the first time David Tennant has played the Doctor in 10 years which didn't seem like he lost a beat nope um, felt like 10 was back just like that I didn't realize how much I've kind of missed some of the manic energy that Russell T Davies brings to Doctor Who. Just the way that like the the way that he directs, the way that he films, the the kind of energy is different. Uh not saying it's better or worse, just like, oh, okay, this is it's a little more zany. Yeah. Here is the thing that I did want to like ask you about. I, you've not seen this, so I'm sure you've not really heard about this. So we see Davros in here, and Davros, creator of the Daleks, looks way different. That 
is apparently the way they're going to portray Davros going forward, whether it's in the future or not. So Davros, if you don't know, is usually mm. a heavily makeuped wheelchair bound character with a glowing blue eye thing. Now, the reason they decided to change it is that Davros being the only wheelchair using character in Doctor Who and being the maniacal villain felt problematic in the year 2023. And I've heard some strong arg and I've heard people who I actually care what they think about this. So like people who are wheelchair users, people who use accessibility devices chiming in being like, yeah, this is a good step. So I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just curious what we think about it. And my problem is very specific with it. And I'm going to be clear. It is not the accessibility that he's no longer in a wheelchair. Kind of, but I'll get to that in a sec. I've got two things that like may give me pause. One beyond the fact that the costume is just not great. It's just a guy in a Nazi looking costume with like some mm -hmm. heavy normal makeup. That's fine. If you want Davros to not be a wheelchair user anymore. He should still look vaguely like Davros. Yeah, I like whatever, like him being a wheelchair user or not. I guess I don't I don't care about that part. He just looks nothing like Davros. Yeah, that and that's literally like put some makeup on him, make him look more like Davros, give him the blue eye thing on his forehead that he has and I could go with it. My other issue, because I was talking about this with Heidi, who's been on for a couple of our Doctor Who episodes. It kind of weirds me out that they were like, all right, we admit that having our only wheelchair user on the show being a villain is problematic and does tie into some like problematic tropes. Get you there. But our answer is to take out the only person on our show who has a wheelchair and uses accessibility stuff. So now we just don't have any of them. Right. Which does not feel better no. to me. No. <laughs> like, Yeah. I, mm, it's weird. Cause that kind of like that fits a little bit into things to bring up, to talk about with like res dogs and like growing up, like I was, uh, it. Mm, I would rather see some sort of representation. I guess is the short form answer. And this also and ties I get, into I me. get seeing, I get it not being a good thing, but like, oh, not seeing yourself at all also really sucks. Not seeing yourself at all is a problem that I've never had to deal with because I'm a straight white able-bodied man. But I recognize sucks like. And it does not that if people who are wheelchair users are saying this is a problem, I do not in any way, especially as a, again, straight, white, able-bodied man want to be like, you're wrong. But part of what made Davros interesting was that he had a chair that looked like a fucking Dalek tank. Yeah. That like, he's obviously part of the Daleks. Yes. The character that we have here, I think he worked perfectly fine as the, like, the the Daleks are not here yet kind of thing. Yes. And that actor's still doing a good job, even if he's hamming it up. Weirdly hamming it up more than he did when he was, like, in, in full, full Davros yeah. makeup. But he 
nothing about him screams Dalek to me. No. So if they're going to do something with this, that's fine. They need to make him look like Davros. Like there's more to Davros' stuff than just being in a chair. Outside of that, and I, I, I mean, I wanted to talk about this. I don't want to harp on it the whole time. This special was a lot of fun. It was fucking goofy Doctor Who, but we haven't had this kind of slapstick in Doctor Who in a long time. So it was kind of fun to like just. It was goofy. I liked it. It is dumb. Yes. <laughs> and like pretty obvious, but also it's like five minutes. So like for children cool. in need, which is a fucking fundraiser for children in, in need. need. Yeah. Like, and they've done five minute specials before they had 10 meet five in one of them. Like, I think they've done a few others. They're always like, here's a goofy short story that ties in, but doesn't like cancel out anything else that's going on. So mm-hmm. sweet. They have successfully done that. I miss David Tennant. <laughs> that was it. That's like, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that that was going to just be our Davros moving forward. It does kind of change your, Thoughts on the show, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I just want him looking more Dalek y. Yeah, that's it. That's literally it. There's so many things we could do. Because he just looks like a dude. He looks like a Nazi with too much eyeliner on. Yeah. I don't want to say fine because there's nothing good about Nazis with too much eyeliner on, but like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. Anything. Yeah. Put the fucking blue thing on his head. (laughs) It's really all you need. But like, hmm. And then, hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's that's about what I have on that. Oh, right. "Mm." Uh, I get, I mean, I don't really have anything. I don't think I have anything else. Okay, this is a short one. That's fine. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I guess we will talk about the reservation dogs. I guess. I know we will talk about the reservation dogs. Fucking res dogs. Shit ass. Sweet. You made it for far enough in the episode for me to explain myself and why I made all of Indian country cringe at the beginning. I'm not going to follow it up with like, I'm related to a fucking Cherokee princess guys. Yeah, like no, I'm a little bit more like, there's nothing more fucking problematic than I'm part native. Like, <laughs> not nothing more problem, but like, it's such a, um, no, I, I've talked about this before on fried squirms because we covered a native zombie movie called blood quantum. You've mentioned it, yes. No, I'm not claiming it because, of, like, it's a weird situation. I uh, normally in my day-to-day life don't like to claim native because I, uh, like, didn't grow up in the res. I have ties to the lifestyle, uh, which I could go into deeper, but, like, I don't necessarily consider myself to have had... um, that kind of upbringing. But the biggest reason I don't say it is because I'm not an enrolled member of the tribe. Okay. And it's because my tribe uses blood quantums. I'm one step too far removed. My mother is an enrolled member of the tribe. She did grow up on the reservation for a part of her life. Um, I grew up as uh, what's known as a qualified descendant. Basically, they're not going to hold it against babies that they're babies and need care when their moms are enrolled. So growing up, I got a lot of my health care up on the res. Okay. Uh, what tribe? Uh, Chippewa. Okay. And so, I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation for me because, like, I, 
I grew up real close. Like I had well, my best friend growing up was native. Grew up going to powwows. Um, almost every team that we faced growing up was uh, up on the res. Did you ever get the native flu? No. <laughs> Sorry. Especially because Tannis is in this show. Um, right. Um, and like there's a res like a stone's throw from here. Yeah. And when you grow up brown in Montana, it's pretty much assumed by everybody that you run into that you're native. Well, and you're Latino? Yeah, well, yeah. Or? So, yeah, Mexican-American on my dad's side. Okay. Um, and so that's the thing. Like, I'm indigenous as shit. But I, I can't enroll because my tribe uses blood quantums. Okay. So, to explain some of my hesitation that we mentioned here at the beginning, we're just going to get through our, like... There are so many ways to get things wrong when you're talking about a show like this as a straight white guy. Really just a white guy in this case. Being straight doesn't come up much in this show. At least so far. It has yeah, no, it really happened. doesn't too much. But. Um, but And there's kind of the two ways. It can, you can either just be like the problematic white dudes of the like, well, the fucking meth dealing car i think he was on math the the guy that keeps doing oh, yeah, like Kenny boy. awkward fucking native sayings and is being shithead or or like uh it's really easy to be super shitty about native people or i'm part native or like fetishizing native people when talking about Ooh, a show like this dr dad yeah oh god ugh. and i don't I think shows like this are important. I'm so excited that there is a show where pretty much every person involved was native with the exception of Taika. Mm -hmm. And I'm still not sure how involved Taika was. Pretty involved. So here's him and Sterling. Who, uh, you know what? We'll get into it in a minute. He is indigenous, though. Yes, exactly. But mm -hmm. he's not Native American. Exactly. Um, but I mean, even just a show that's pretty much just indigenous, except for when we need random white people. Bill Burr. White Steve. <laughs> White Steve. Um, <laughs> and even then, they're like, you know, it's being very, like, poking fun at them instead of necessarily the position of power that... Mm -hmm. in Like, it's just kind of hard to talk about because, one, I want to talk about it. I want to celebrate it. I want more people to watch this. But I also realize that in a lot of ways, my voice is the least important voice when it comes to talking about the show. And as someone who really likes to talk, that makes me nervous to put my foot in my mouth. Uh, let me let me try to 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 assuage that a little bit. Did you laugh? Yes. Cool. I laughed. I cried. No, it was fucking that's, great. That's that's all it was going for. So I was actually listening to interviews with Sterling Harjo. Um, even like as you were showing up, I was listening to him when he was on Mark Maron's podcast. Who Mark Maron actually shows up in the second season, but it's like um, and he he was sort of talking about like his time with like the 1491s the the comedy troupe that is basically the writers room for this show okay um and that's the the, the people you were showing me with yeah that the... little skit that we watched the uh the twilight new moon wolfpack auditions and he said like they they weren't trying to be a comedy troupe that was just sort of something that came together after that video kind of took off which I actually ran into that video back when it was first I've never put out. seen that video before. Uh, mostly because it was making fun of Twilight. Mm -hmm. That's why I ran into it for the first time. And then I was like, when I started watching the show, I was like, who is this guy? 
And I was like, wait, that sounds, that seems familiar. <laughs> oh shit. I watched that. Okay. Um, and he was talking about, uh, like when the, he was touring with the 1491s and the shows that they would bomb. And a lot of the times it was, would be like, it was some sort of fundraiser set up and they'd be invited to go, but the entire room's white people. And he sort of realized that they were terrified of laughing. They were terrified of laughing. You had to find ways to give them permission to laugh because so often all of this native stuff is put up on a high pedestal, especially in media. And it's because natives have only been portrayed as one dimensional. They're either noble savages or savages. Yeah, they're, e they're either noble savages or they're the old West equivalent of zombies. Mm -hmm. Now also, I'm reali I was realizing as I was attempting to explain why I was nervous that we have put way more emphasis on the fact that I was kind of nervous about this than I had any plan on discussing in this. No, but that's fine. Are. I think I think that's a it's a good part of the discussion because it's like part of the reason for the show was to be able to be like, look, it's all just people and you can laugh. That is part of what I love most ridiculous. about this show is it doesn't it doesn't glorify reservations, but it also doesn't like these places absolutely suck and there's nothing good about no it's it's it's, it's realistic about, about how much it can suck because it's an economically depressed place yeah because we have fucked over the reservations and all of these things like that's um so if you live in montana which we both do you probably have some level of experience with the reservations and it can be so variable from if you are a white guy speeding on a reservation, there's a really good chance you're getting a ticket to, you know, I did, I did two years of the Montana conservation Corps, and, uh, the, it, it's a thing of May through October and it's mostly like camping and trail working and stuff like that. Fucking great. Literally saved my life. I, I love the conservation Corps, but the last month when it gets too cold to really go camping, for the most part, uh, there's a lot of weatherization where it's literally just going to a horror area. I mean, it, a lot of times you're like, you're in Butte, and then people who qualify under a certain economic mm -hmm. level, you go in and you help winterize their house. It's mostly putting like plastic over the windows to help keep the heat in and, mm -hmm. you know, doing stuff like that. But we were up in, um, oh, I can't think of it, one of the awful fucking towns in northern Montana. Uh, and we did a couple of days of the weather rising in town. And then we did a couple of days on the reservation and it was really eye opening of like actually spending time on the reservation. And if, you know, on some level, I was definitely a volunteer tourist or whatever the fucking term is for it of mm -hmm. like white people showing up being like, we're here to save you. But like also we just came there wanting to help people do mm -hmm. some weatherizing stuff. Like whatever, you know, um, I, I, there wasn't like a savior complex going in, but right. also, it was, it was just a part of your job that happens to happen because you're there. Uh huh. Uh, but God, it was kind of tough. Also, I'll say everyone on the reservation was so much fucking nicer than anyone yeah. in small town. Oh God. I wish I could think of what town it was. It fucking sucked. Um, but there was stuff of like, the nicest guy we met lived in a shack made of doors on his mom's yard. 
And he was like, what can you do to help with this? And I was like, I have plastic wrap. Like, not fucking much, my guy. <laughs> and he's like, cool. And just hung out and talked with us for like 30 minutes, being like, yeah, hey, you've been working all day. Just like. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. It was so. It was very human. You're right. We do tend to depict Native Americans as very one dimensional in America, which is disgusting considering America. Uh, and that's, I think that's the triumph of this show and what it continues to do, especially as, as we end up getting further in the seasons. Cause I know we've already talked about, we're going to finish the show. It's just in what order we, we might, do that with yeah, other things. Again, we have the next like six episodes for sure. We just don't know what order we're doing. But like what we talked about with black Panther and like how the black community never had like their equivalent of like a Camelot. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what Wakanda is, right? Natives have only been the noble savages or getting gunned down on the prairie. So like now it's time to portray them as people. Yeah. And that's what this show does in an amazing way where you get to laugh at the fact that like, no, some of it is silly as shit. And they know that too. What's interesting is I knew, I knew I was going to laugh at this show. Like I, I, I went in mm -hmm. oh, very aware. I mean, anyone who has seen the trailer for res dogs knows that you're going to laugh at a spot or two, but like all of the shows that you've been turning me on to, or that we've been like getting into, I mean, you didn't turn me on to letter Kenny. That was the other way around, but yeah. like a lot of these kinds of shows that you and I have been watching on this I was kind of, I don't know, not expecting Letterkenny, but something closer to Letterkenny, Shorzy, Ted Lasso. Well, this is, I don't even know how to, I, I don't, I hesitate to call this show a comedy. Dramedy? I guess so. I don't like the term dramedy, but it's accurate. Kind of makes me think of Northern Exposure from back in the day. <laughs> okay. But, I, I mean, obviously not in the same way, but it's such a... Instead of like thinking of this as a comedy, I really kind of just think of this as like a character exploration of a whole town as opposed to anything else. I, that's a, that's a cool thing. I'm, it's interesting and I'm glad that you're picking up on the whole town aspect from this first season. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people didn't. A lot of people focused really hard in on the res dogs. Well, obviously the res dogs are the main ones, but you watch the fucking second episode where every member of the town shows up at the, uh, at the clinic, at the clinic. You're like, Oh, okay. This has a fucking Simpsons level side cast that all matter. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I used to get healthcare on the reds. Mm -hmm. So I've definitely sat there in that IHS office, just waiting, waiting while my mom was up, making sure that all the paperwork was right. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, like, kind of like what, what I was starting to get into with the Davros thing. Like, it's, a, it's impossible for me to be impartial about this show because it just makes me think of how much I wanted to see some of this representation when I was a, a kid. Mm -hmm. I, it's funny. The only episode of this show that you weren't on, I talked about this a little bit with the, uh, the Tarantino off. I listened to it, but I don't really remember that episode. Um, because I wasn't on it. I don't, I don't know if he would necessarily uh, remember it the same way I do, but it almost seemed like at times when me and my best friend Angus Big Spring would watch shows together, 
that it was almost a race to see which one of us could say that the black character was our favorite first. <laughs> because, like, okay, technically you can both have the same favorite character, but it doesn't make it as fun when you're going out onto the playground and pretending to be them, right? Yeah, because you can't both be this. And we weren't seeing Latinos or natives out there. So the black character so was the black be, character yeah. was the default. Um, which is why like uh I brought it up in the Tarantino off because of how much Django affected me because I grew up watching mostly black media to try to see myself in. Mm -hmm. Um, which from what I gather is actually a pretty common occurrence, especially amongst mixed kids. Also, black cowboys are so fucking cool. Yeah. Looking at you, Lord Bowler. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I grew up always like gravitating towards the black character because if there was a Latino character, he was probably going to be a gangbanger. Mm -hmm. And like, Angus didn't even have that. Like, he was looking for like movies like Blood In, Blood Out, so he could be like, "Well, the Latino characters are closer to my shin, <laughs> like skin shade, <laughs> than the black characters are." So I guess in this case, like, I'm Chavez Chavez or something like. Yeah, I mean, in the 90s, like, I'm thinking of shows that I watched in the 90s. Fucking Chakotay on Star Trek Voyager is the only character who was native in, like, any of them. Other than, I watched Northern Exposure with my mom, but really I kind of just remember the feeling of that show more than anything specific. Because it was the show that my mom watched. And because, and and so that's the thing, like, even growing up, like... Uh, we've talked about Mortal Kombat a number of times on this podcast, and like Nightwolf is kind of a joke, but when he was added in that game, it was so fucking cool. It was so fucking cool that you could be shooting fucking spirit arrows at these motherfuckers and shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, like, I remember Nightwolf was my favorite in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is a fucking terrible movie. And it's not until I got a little older that I went, "This is the worst representation," but it was still. But I still have a soft spot for Nightwolf because that doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> because, yeah, it was either like playing as Nightwolf or watching Smoke Signals for the 500th time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which most of those were in our English classes at school. Mm -hmm. I am not going to even pretend that I understand because, again, white guy. My last name is Johnson. But... um. Zachary David Johnson. I have the whitest fucking name. But growing up in Montana, there is an awareness of Native culture just because it's around, mm -hmm. even if it's not deeply around or I've never been deeply involved in it. I was going to ask, a way how, that many, I never... how many are in the, the school system here? Because you were a city kid, comparatively. <sighs> A, a notable percentage, but not a high percentage. Okay. I'm trying to think of something from like fucking 25 years yeah. ago now, but like there was a lot of, it wasn't uncommon to have native kids in my class, but oddly in the grade school I went to, it was also not uncommon to have Russian kids in my class who did not have to do the pledge of allegiance and just had to put their head down the whole time. It was weird. Fucking Montana in the 90s, dude. <laughs> but, um, so, like, there was always this kind of awareness of, like, there should be more natives on the TV. Even, like, I didn't necessarily have any native friends. But, like, there, there's just, like, the disparity is noticeable. 
here. Well, they're finally fucking fixing that. Goddamn. And with shows like this, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. At it. The urge to say Skoden has gotten so fucking strong and I have to be like, can't do that. (laughs) Should not do that. Studis. So if you have not watched this show, Res Dogs is the story of a reservation in Oklahoma. I did not. I don't remember the name of the reservation. Uh, it's a, oh, they don't, I don't think they give the name of the reservation. It's a made up town, Okern. Okay. And I think they kind of did that. So like, it's mostly based in Muskogee. It's mm-hmm. a Muskogee reservation, but they, there's other things that are brought in and it's because there are like 34 different tribes in Oklahoma. Yeah. Partly because a lot of the trails of tears led to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So there's a lo- there were a lot of tribes from across the eastern United States that all kind of got pushed into the same area. So I didn't I never caught that it was Muskogee, but I knew that there were a couple of different tribes that had kind of landed to here together. And it's kind of about four kids, the Res Dogs. I can do this. God, I'm fucking terrible with names. Bear, Willie May, Alora Dannon, Willie Jack. Willie Jack, thank you. Bear, Willie Jack, Alora Dannon and Cheese. Cheese is so relatable. We'll get to him. I like how you start cracking up on Cheese and not the fact that you just had to say that one of their names is Alora Dannon. I don't know. I think it's because they play Alora Dannon's name as a joke a few times in the first mm-hmm. episode, in the first two episodes, that I'm like, okay, I know that's a joke, but something about Cheese. Also, I just find Cheese funny. I fucking cheese love is Cheese. So great. Their buddy Daniel died about a year before this and they are trying to raise money however they can to move to California because in classic teenager fashion they think moving to California will solve all their problems before we dive in the spot that like the spot that I found myself so conflicted on in this and a part of this is that I'm such a homebody like I had that I'm going to move but I never really had that strong of a desire to move I just had that, like, that's what you do. You grow up and you move. And I mean, I fucking, we are recording this less than 10 blocks from the house that I grew up in. (laughs) Like, and I live, you know, fucking 45 minutes outside of town now, but this is the farthest I've ever lived from that house. Like I am a homebody. So I have such a thing of like, Oh, sweetie, honey, baby, moving to California is not going to magically fix all of your problems. Like, And there is things to be said for you have community here. This is stuff they're super not going to have out in California, especially with the like, I mean, they, uh, uh, Willie Jack talks about it with the, the family and stuff there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, Willie Jack's dad points it out. He's mm -hmm. like, I know plenty of people that leave, but they They come come back back because this is where their people are. But Also, at the same time, it's not untrue, not just on reservations. A lot of small rural towns destroy a lot of young kids' lives, Mm -hmm. especially young women, because there's nothing to fucking do. So they just, you know, the economic poverty and the a lot of times deep-seated conservatism of these small towns destroy a young woman's life, and now they're just fucking stuck there. So, like, I'm so torn between my own, like, no, stay with your fucking family. And also like, it's not a bad thing to want to leave. I, 
first off, okay, I'm first off, I'm going to say I'm amazed because you're catching a lot of things that I didn't catch this first time. Around. I'm not like, a stupid man. And I know you're not, <laughs> I'm but sorry. like, I just, just... but like I, I, even though it's been a while now, I remember enough about my first time through this series that like, especially with just the first season, I was focused so much on just the res dogs themselves and not how much the theme of community really does play into the show, which only gets strengthened and strengthened, strengthened by the next. I couple am seasons. also an extremely community minded human being like that. I, I really try to think of things, not just as like family or town, but like my specific community of folks. So, um, but I think I think like the big takeaway is, and I think you, kind of nailed it even if you didn't say it in these words is like the fact is right now is that the allure is doing it the wrong way i bear mentions it in the final episode and i agree she wants to move to california for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. and i think and i'm not saying that she has to stay on the and Spoiler alert for the final bit. She leaves the res at the end of this. And obviously I expect her to come back to the res because I know she's in. Because you know there's two more seasons And of this. she's in it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm not saying she needs to end the series on the res. Like, I'm not saying they have to stay. But I think that at least thematically, not that everyone does this in real life. You're going to have to make your peace with where you're from on some level for this story to feel complete Mm -hmm. and she's not she's because of where she is in her grief process all she can see is the dark sides of this town and i get it but it's also a really weirdly beautiful little the uh, the daniel the situation hey trigger warning if you watch this show yeah um and they they make sure, especially on the heavy episodes, to put that. They out straight front up too. drop that. One. <laughs> I was like, I don't think this was on the previous episodes. Oh no! Although I will say, the episode before that, the Willie Jack episode, made me cry harder. Oh, that one's rough. Too. It wrecks me. Holy Hunting shit! Hunting is a really loved, good episode. I loved that episode. Daniel is fascinating because we only get little moments of him, but he's such a pervasive part of this show and an an important apparently to the cast and crew that that was his fate because of uh the high the high amount of suicide in the community yeah okay you know what let's just not I, i as much as i believe in like not giving away everything daniel kills himself you start to suspect it pretty early, but they make it very. Yeah, you can catch, like if you're if you're if you're paying attention to how how the people are dancing around it, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I know what happened. Cece caught by the first episode that he had killed himself. I didn't until the Willie Jack episode. Mm. Uh, I thought he had been shot. Ah, okay. And I don't know why. I like I would have to rewatch that first episode to try to catch that but i knew the you know the res quote unquote the res killed him mm-hmm. god credit to that actor he does a really good job of like charming 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 too far yeah, and um who is it playing sorry no you're good uh and cc and i got into a long conversation about it of like all of the warning signs being there but if you don't know 
Dalton Kramer. Dalton Kramer. If you don't like, if you're a kid or if you're just, you know, whatever, you don't necessarily catch the warning signs. Like, um, what is the name of Willie's dad? Do you remember? I think it's Leon. Let me make sure on that. But I, I will be honest. The res dogs are the only characters whose names I have down. There's only eight episodes to this show and they do toss quite a few characters. Yeah. Leon played by John Proudstar. God, he's good. Uh, Leon. There's this scene where he's, he runs into Daniel on what we will find out is the night that Daniel dies. And Daniel asks him, do you need help? And he goes, no, no, I've got the, and you know, he, he didn't, he was done. And there's no way for him to have known that that was Daniel going, I need help. Mm -hmm. And fuck that scene fucked me up. And then like, he still tried to help him. He still tried to like, here, take this jacket. You know, I just, I've gone way deep into like, but it's that scene has been haunting me for days now. Yeah. (laughs) I told you six and seven were some heavy episodes. (laughs) No, you told me seven was a heavy episode. (laughs) I mean, okay. Seven is a heavy episode, but Bill Burr kills it in that episode. Bill Burr is such a good actor, (laughs) which I never would have expected. Bill Burr is such a good actor. Um, Although the entire time he was doing stuff, I'm like, I bet you wish you had Mayfield's back blaster right now. Fucking don't you. <laughs> uh, but okay, let's, let's rewind. Yeah. Episode one, fucking res dogs. Straight up. It's we meet who the res dogs are. And from the trailer, I, th- and from the way they end this, I thought it was going to be a lot more of the season was going to be like this of them being criminals mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. them being vigilantes and a lot more gang oriented. I want to, this is something that gets brought up all the time, but if you didn't grow up with this movie, you wouldn't know. This starts off with a shout out to Smoke Signals. The the starting off with the radio. Mm. The, you know, whatever it is in this, you know, this is Chavon Bruner, da da da. In Smoke Signals, it's like, it's, uh, what is it? It's like, you listen to, to K-Rez, give you the, the traffic report. Well, a couple of cars ro- rolled by. <laughs> I don't think I've seen smoke signals in 15 years. Uh, it's been a long time for me. I'm going to rewatch it soon, but that was one of those ones. That was one of those ones. That, uh, just because of where we're at, it wasn't even just like natives watching it. It's like, everyone knows the res is right over the hill and they made a movie about natives. We're all going to watch it. So yeah, like no, my entire town was we like, watched it in uh, our English lit class or English classes every year. Oh, I'm sure, especially because like, it came from. Yeah, um, Lone Ranger and Tonto fist fight in heaven, mm-hmm. and then Smoke Signals is a short story from it. Yeah, and we don't, we didn't usually watch the whole movie, so there are certain scenes that I just like. No, but um, there's there's certain scenes that I I actually I looked up one of them earlier this week just because I couldn't remember how it actually played out. But the John Wayne's teeth, you remember mm-hmm. that at all on Vaguely. the bus? Where, like, they get their uh, seats taken by some cowboys, and they start, oh, the cowboys always win. And then he's like, oh, yeah. You know, in all those John Wayne movies, he never shows his teeth. You don't see him once. I don't trust a guy you, you don't see his teeth. <laughs> and, so, and then they start singing, and I can't, I'm not going to do it. I, I would just make a sound offensive. But me and Angus always used to riff because 
um, they start singing a song about John Wayne's teeth and they start doing it, you know, like it's a native chant, you know, John Wayne's teeth, are they false? Are they real? Are they plastic? Are they steel? We would do that as like a rap beat growing up. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. A hundred percent unrelated, but just movies or scenes that I just remember vividly out of nowhere today, Facebook was like, do you want to watch this moment from little giants, <laughs> which is a movie I had forgotten existed. Okay. Yeah. And I like, okay, obviously you remember yeah, the little annexation giants. of Puerto Rico. That's the name of the play that they, that they win with at the end. Oh, okay. Fuck. Oh, it should be one scene. Uh, it's the Rick Moranis vehicle that kind of was in the mighty ducks theme of like, Little League mm -hmm. sports game goes big. But the scene that it showed was where Becky, the girl who had been like the girl on the team and really good, but then becomes the cheerleader because she's going to be girly. And then like in the big game, like goes back to being a hard goes ass. back to being a hard ass. And it's her like throwing down her pom poms and changing and uh, like while putting on the makeup going, call me Becky. <laughs> like it's fucking weird it was um, i had forgotten about this movie it was amazing how like the moment i saw what this was i was like i know exactly what scene is about to play i can remember it the only thing that i remember different is the last time i watched little giants i was that age range right yeah, yeah. so it was fucking weird to be like oh they're fucking like 10 years they old. They are tiny. <laughs> they are. Anyways, uh, res dogs. Uh, yeah. Starts off. That's huge. Shout out to smoke signals. And I was just like, yes, give me all of it right now. That whole opening scene of them stealing the chip truck is so fucking funny. Ooh, with bear fucking chiding Laura to put on her seatbelt. <laughs> it's not cool. Putting on your seatbelt. Like, Willie Jack's like pretending to get shots off. Brah, brah. <laughs> They can't get the, and then they're like, just drive past, uh, the, the light footman, the, oh, uh, God, the light horseman, big, light horseman. big, thank you. Big. I keep wanting to call bear, even though I know it's not, but it's that mm -hmm. B name that I don't think of as a name. Usually like they never give big's real name. They only ever call him big. That's fair. Big is one of those that I keep like there. We will talk about this. Uh, there's several things that I want to be like, this is my favorite part. And then big's not my favorite part, but he might be my second favorite part. Like big is so good. Dude, I love normally big. that guy plays like hard asses. Mm -hmm. too. Like Zon McLaren usually does not play that role. And he knocks it out of the park <laughs> is big dude. Like him and Brownie in the final goofy. episode are so funny together. <laughs> dude, uh, Gary Farmer is so fucking funny. Anyway, <laughs> I love uncle Brownie. Oh, also, back to smoke signals, Gary getting Gary Farmer, Arnold Joseph. Holy shit. Oh my god. But and then like a driving past big with the back of the truck still there, and he just doesn't he's just watching a fucking Who Killed Kennedy. Like a JFK conspiracy video. Oh my god. Oh, love big. Um, did you happen to oh I'm trying to think. Uh, when they end up at Bear's house, did you catch what his house number is? I did not. 1491. Which is, you said the... That's the name of the 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 comedy troupe. Yep. Because it's the year before Columbus got here. <sighs> okay. I'll be honest, I did not know about this comedy troupe, so that's not a thing I would have been looking for. 
did you notice Kenny Boy's salvage place name? Uh-uh. Urgle Cut Salvage. Fuck. How big of a fan of Willow are these fucking people? How good is that, right? That's so good. <laughs> Burgle cuts the fucking worst too. Burgle cuts the shitty one that's like bullying mm-hmm. Willow in the early. But yeah, they steal the truck, sell it to the meth heads, who are the worst people on this show, which is appropriate because they're meth heads. But like, right? But also not like the worst, and they're not the worst meth heads either. No, like I've seen, I've met in person way worse meth heads, but like. Not gonna like Kenny Boy is pretty great. I think you're gonna really like him as this show goes I, on. I don't so far, but I'm also not supposed to because he's just the so, awkward white man. So especially in this first episode, I want to say that like seventy percent of his lines in this first episode are quotes from the few native movies that are out there. Shit. Like I think some of what he says is straight from Dances with the Wolves. I think some of what he says is from Pow Wow Highway. Like, <laughs> he's super awkward. Mm-hmm. His heart's in the right place. That's good. And then his weirdo sidekick. Ansel? Is, yeah. Ugh, he's just <laughs> uncomfortable. That's your cue. Get it? Because, yeah. Oh, my God. These, these enterprising little shitheads, though, because, like, Buying back the Flaming Flamers to also sell those black market is real good. So let's go over the four real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's uh, Devery Jacobs as Alora Dan and Post Oak. Alora is the character that I have the hardest time relating to of the rest docs. I, now I want to be very clear. That doesn't mean I dislike her. It doesn't mean I don't find her compelling. She's super fucking compelling. I have a hard time relating to her because she has that super hard headed eyes forward finishing the job. And I do not have the attention span mm-hmm. for that kind of mindset. And because I can tell, and I agree with what Bear will say later, she's doing it for the wrong reasons. I find her kind of frustrating. She is also, especially as you find out more and more as the series goes on, like in a community that's experiencing grief, she's getting like the double look mm-hmm. because she was close with Daniel, but, but also e- easily potentially romantic. Like they, I don't think they mm-hmm. were romantic, but they were easily heading that direction. And she's the one that fucking found him. Holy shit. That she's scene. the one that found him. And she's the one who her mother passed Mm -hmm. and all of the elders had a connection to her mother. As I learned more about her in episode seven and eight, I connected to her a lot more, but in those early episodes, I had a whole lot of like, Laura, you need to shut the fuck up right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and I trusted them. Like I, I wasn't just, (laughs) just as often as she is also the voice of reason. Uh huh. Because there's also times where she's like, what the fuck are you doing, Bear? Yes. Quit spending that money on dick medallions. <laughs> I do like Alora. Alora is the person whose story I'm most interested going into season two. And it's interesting because in a lot of ways, Alora felt 
as much as the res dogs are the main characters of this, at first I thought Bear was going to be kind of the main character, but Alora Bear really is seems to very transfer. much framed as the main character. But it really seems to transfer to Alora a lot more, and I think it's because Bear has the visions that I knew was going to be happening. I was like, oh, Bear's going to be our main guy, but it's just a part of it. as much. Yeah, yeah. like. Alora and Bear both get more, at least in this season, than Cheese and, and Willie Jack, Jack do, but both of those characters get episodes that are wholly devoted to them in a way that neither Bear nor Alora. Alora kind of gets one. Alora yeah, gets one. Alora gets one. Bear, Bear doesn't get one this season. Okay. Yeah, Bear never has the season that's like he's the character. He gets one next season. Mm-hmm. He has three episodes where he's like the A or the B plot is just about him. Mm-hmm. Let's um, just do bear next. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do bear next. Oh, you know what? And I'm just going to point out just to break down the idea, even more of them being a singular entity. Um, Devry Jacobs is Mohawk. Mohawk. A tribe. Oh, okay. Just cause they, they are, the actors aren't all Muskogee. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. In fact, I sorry. I thought you were saying a person's name was Mohawk, and oh, I was like, no, I don't no, know. No, 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 I I'm following now. Uh, Defaro Wunatai as Bear Smallhill. Bear is the most traditionally TV charming. Yes, of the four, and I have such sympathy for like. Yes, he's wasting their money on, as you said, a dick medallion, or uh, the the clothes that he buys for the look. But I also do have, and Alora is not wrong, but Alora is not right in that because I do have such a like sympathy for, he's just so desperate to have his dad is gone. Mm -hmm. His dad is fucking useless. He has his mom. He's very close with his mom as much as he wants to get off the res. His mom is also, kind of woefully unaware, like literally every other person in this town was aware that these guys were planning to go to California Mm -hmm. and she wasn't. She's too busy fending off the fact that every dude in town wants Wants to to fucking snag her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But bear is the person who I think is the least certain of all of this stuff. He's got so many different conflicting things, which is leading to very different, kind of path. He he was so on board with the, we have to go to California. We have to get out of here, but he's not a lot like Alora. He's not dealing with the fact that he cares about this town, even though he's more open about the fact that he cares about this town. Cause he cares about his mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his dad, as I said, is gone. He's a native rapper with a song that has been stuck in my head for a week now. Greasy fried bread. Greasy, greasy fried bread. bread. Who is... Okay, you know what? I take it back. His dad is the worst. Oh, yeah. Punk and Lusty is the worst. Oh, my God. I hated him from the big. And the fact that the first time we actually see him, he's answering the phone, and it's baby mama number two. You're like, oh, buddy, you've made some choices in life. <laughs> like, I love, I love what he's in her fa- phone as, though. Uh, fuck face. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> the probably interesting thing about Bear, and it starts in episode two, I think, 
where he starts having the visions. Oh, I mean, no, he has the vision in episode one. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, we meet William Knife Man in episode one. Which is... Uh, we mentioned this. There's several things I want to be like my favorite. William Nightman and those visions are my favorite part of this. And it's so fascinating. This show... So, once again, Sterling pointed out that, like, one of the things you have to do is give white people permission to laugh. That's the character invented to give white people permission to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking died trying to kill Custer because his horse hit a... Gopher hole. Gopher hole. And now he just hangs out in the spirit world complaining that his nipples are cold. Yeah. Also, I love Jesus. <laughs> we're two brown men who were killed. So by Jesus. <laughs> um, Bear, Bear is... A lot of his struggle is overcoming, honestly, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. He feels like there's a very certain way that he has to do things, and he's trying to be that big man. He's trying to be the chief. And he's having to learn that it's more than just about him. Yeah. And about how he wants to do things, and how some of the things, the way he wants to do it, aren't right. Because you even get like that last episode where Spirit's like, isn't there anything you left undone? And Bear's immediately like, oh yeah, we didn't beat up those guys. And he's like, no. Fucker, that's not what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> and they never really answered what he should have been doing. At least part of it was talk to your fucking mom. Who would not have let him leave. Like, no. she would have shut that down. So I understand why he didn't. But, like, talk to your fucking mom. Um, He'll get there. I get it. As someone who has a complicated relationship with their mother, when there is a good mom, I'm always like, fucking just... <laughs> right, because Reed is awesome. <laughs> She's great. Sarah Podemski, who's playing that, like fucking great. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm sorry. Give me the spirit guy's name again. Knife- oh, William Knifeman. William Knifeman, played by Dallas Goldtooth. <laughs> Knifeman is interesting. There's there's several points here, and it's part of what made me realize that this was not going. As I said, I was kind of expecting something more Ted Lasso, Shorzy, Letterkenny than what we got here. The the quasi mystical nature of this show and the fact that like mystical spirit stuff happens in this show and some people believe it and some people don't. And it's not like necessarily a driving force of the show. It's just like the spirit world is a facet of life to a lot of these people. So for a lot of these people, it's it's real, real and it comes up, but it's, but it's not it's, necessarily real. Yeah, and it's not the dominant point of this story, and that's so rare, because if you're going to have weird supernatural shit happening in a TV show, that's usually like, these kids are going to become monster hunters, like, which is, I would have watched these four young actors become monster hunters in a heartbeat, but I also appreciate that that's not what the show is doing. Well, and Um, previous to this, if it was anything sacred tied to natives in any media... It's also being put up on like the holiest of pedestals and it's the most sacred solemn mm-hmm. time ever. And it's just part it's of just life. Part of it. It's just, yeah. It's such an interesting aspect. I kind of lost track of where I was going with that because I find it's the part of the show I might find most interesting. Their depictions of, I think they call him the tall man, possibly Sasquatch in the hunting episode. Mm-hmm. Side note. Willie proposes that that's Daniel saying goodbye. No, the fucking turkey that won't leave them alone. 
that's Daniel saying goodbye. That's yes. in my theory, yes. Yeah, no, I think you're right on with that, although we'll get to that in a second. Uh, I did want to point out real quick, just because I wanted to do this with everybody, uh, DeFaro, Bear, uh, is OG Cree. Dallas Goldtooth is Dakota and Dine. Okay. Side note, I find it interesting that the way that Bear's mom deals with stuff is she just kind of imagines two different versions of herself. I like the, the color-coded points. earrings. Uh-huh. And one of them is that guy. Like, it, it, when it comes to the dad, that guy sucks so hard. Get rid of him. The other guys, the other one's like, you haven't been railed in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like, just straight up. Like, like, oh, he was looking pretty fine in that video. <laughs> he was not. No. Um, well, most of the extras in that video were, like, Sterling Harjo's, like, cousins and aunties and stuff. <laughs> Uh, who do we have next? Uh, do we want to go Willie Jack? Let's do Willie Jack. Paulina Alexis. Love her. She's, I don't know, I wasn't necessarily expecting Willie Jack to be my favorite character. So far, she might be, even though I find Cheese kind of more relatable. Paul, Willie Jack is, like, the most Rez character ever. Like, holy shit, Willie Jack's Rez. <laughs> also, <clears throat> The name is a reference to uh, a movie series. Oh. Um, Tom Laughlin played a character across four movies called Billy Jack back mm. in the day. Those movies... Okay, first off, Tom Laughlin was all white, but it was one of those, like, it might have been problematic representation, but there was, but it was no other representation. representation. And he was playing the good guy and, like, a badass. So, like, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, no, like, Billy Jack's awesome. Like, we're... we're we're okay with this right now because he's kicking ass and he was actually like super progressive and shit. Um, at least for the time period. This, that just made me think of it. The most, even when I was a kid, I was like, this is fucking problematic. So I had long, dark hair and I have a big nose and the number of people who are like, you're native American, right? I'm like, no, why do you have long hair and a big nose? I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? And I'm like <laughs> 10 years old. <laughs> like, uh, so the name is also those, the, the Billy Jack movies, I can't remember the name of all of them are the movies that are credited with, um, basically wide release cinema. Interesting. Um, Laughlin had some sort of ends with the industry or something where not only, I believe that not only were they independently made, but he was actually distributor on them. Mm. And so he went uh, against what was the normal distribution method of the time period, which I'm not quite sure how it was, but he was basically the first one to go like, yeah, no, I'm just going to make a bunch of these and send them all out. So that they all hit at the same time. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Willie Jack, you're right. She is the most, they, she, she, okay. I thought so, but, uh, the most res character has the, the speaking patterns a lot more. Uh, she's just fucking awesome. I love Willie Jack. Cheese is the most go along to get along character, but like Willie Jack is just along on all of this because her friends are. So she's with it. Willie Jack is just there to look after the people around her which I respect. 
which I admire, uh, ranging from, I mean, she's one of the ones to most openly, she's the one of the ones most openly willing to discuss missing Daniel. Mm hmm. Well, and Daniel was her cousin. cousin. Yes. Uh, I was a little unsure for back and forth for a while if it was cousin or brother, but figure that one out eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, but she cares in the way that I fucking love of, you know, miss you, douchebag. Miss you, bitch. Love you, bitch. Miss you, douchebag. Whatever. Like, so the love you, bitches that they always end mm -hmm. with actually comes from uh, Sterling Harjo, Taika, and one of the other writers, Tazbed. Uh, Chavez, their friendship. Nice. They're actually okay. super tight, and that's how they end everything between each other. Love you, bitch. Mm -hmm. It, but it's such a teenager thing, you mm -hmm. know. I have people who I have been friends with since I was a teenager who I still hang out with. We are incapable of being nice to each other, but we are so openly like in love with each other as a group. Mm -hmm. So you know, I will fucking burn them while talking about what a wonderful person they are. <laughs> so it's very. It's just so very relatable. Um, I think she like jumps horses professionally. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Something like that. It's wild. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think of the meat pies. I don't care. Fuck. <laughs> like <laughs> you better not eat two of those and come back wanting your money. <laughs> oh my god. She so oh my god. Willie Jack is probably the character that I'm most excited for you to see her journey. Good the show. I love the scene where she decides she's not going to go. Like I knew at least one character was going to decide not to go. I was not at all surprised that it was Willie Jack, especially after the hunting episode, which again is maybe the most remarkable episode of TV that I've watched in the year 2023. Like, holy shit, it's good. But the bit where like they the Alora tries to kind of turn on her when she decides not to go at first because Alora, as much as she wants out of there, needs her people with her still, mm -hmm. and she but she's just taking her people as the res dogs. And how much Alora's immediate not Alora Willie is immediately like not dealing with that and shutting that down and like, I still fucking love you, fuck you, but like. This is where I need to be. Mm -hmm. Was I, know, I really respected that scene? Cheese, <laughs> lane <Lame> factor. <laughs> Cheeses go along to get along. Uh oh. Uh, just because uh, Paulina Alexis is a uh, Nakota Sioux First Nation. She's a uh, Canadian. Oh okay. What is uh, cheese? Cheese is actually from the Muscogee Reservation uh, in Oklahoma. They he was cast because they actually did like a little like tour around Oklahoma mm -hmm. just trying to cast like actual natives from the area to at least fill some of the roles and apparently he kept showing up at all the auditions and kind of just made it to the end they were like yeah this, this is our cheese and apparently like Wheeze and Bone Thug Dog the, are those the two guys on the bike? Those are the two guys in the Indian Mafia that aren't Jackie and White Steve. <laughs> okay. Those guys originally tried out for, like, Cheese's part and, like, Bear's part. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Cheese is kind of a galoot in this season. He's kind of a... Not an oaf, because an oaf implies 
stupid. Kind of a goon. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of a goon. I don't mean that as a negative. Like when he's he's the youngest of the res dogs. He's two years younger than the rest of them. Okay, I didn't realize that, but that does that super makes sense. Because the rest of them are supposed to be like 16, 17, and he's supposed to be 14. Uh, okay. And Cheese doesn't really have family. Yeah. Um, he has a cousin or something that he's He lives with, with his uncle, that's, Charlie. Oh, that's it. And stops living with Charlie almost immediately. Fucking, that is so funny. In the second episode, he encounters a woman who thinks it's his... He's her grandson. And that was the first time I cried was when at the end of the episode, he takes her outside and sets up a chair next to her and just sits down so they can. Yeah. When he's pushing her out of the hospital and he runs into bear in the hallway, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like my grandma. And part of that was like, shut the fuck up, man. I'm being nice to this woman right now, but also just like, yeah, she's my grandma now. And then we find out in the last episode that he straight up just moves in with her and she knows that he's not. He only because it comes up in an episode in season two, he hasn't fully moved in with her oh, as okay. much as it looks like in that. Last I episode. thought he had moved in with her. He, he is spending a ton of time over there, but he still technically lives with his uncle Charlie. Oh, okay. It's probably a good thing rather than just randomly <laughs> moving in with a blind old lady. But also, Charlie does not sound reliable from what little <laughs> no. we've the fucking I don't know. It was so casually done. Like, hey, do an eye exam. What's the top letter there? E. Z. Aha, very funny. He and then it's like the look in the face of like, oh no. He is. Real mind blind, blind. <laughs> and like the kid the guy who plays cheese plays it so straight but it makes it so fucking funny i think that was the part that i laughed hardest on on that episode one of oh my god one of my favorite cheese moments <sighs> episode what is, is it i think it's episode two when they're at robin cleo's when they go back for catfish after that's the- episode one is it episode one where yeah, cheese, the guy is whining about it? <laughs> yeah, cheese, if you're going to steal anything? Yeah, because it's the episode where they stole the truck. Yeah, okay. And then the truck driver is... Oh, yeah, because the truck... Yeah. <laughs> All that's left is a bag of sugar. Cheese, if you're going to steal something, you have to tell me so I can write it off. And she's just like, looks and picks up a sucking. Okay. There is something about cheese that, like, every adult just seems to, like... And I think it's because they have some awareness in a community this small that he has fucking nobody. But they're like, okay, we're going to kind of look after cheese because even Big does it to an extent, even mm-hmm. though Big is not overly fond of the... And Cheese is just the sweetest. <laughs> Hello, my name is Cheese. My pronouns are he, him, his. <laughs> and like he keeps trying to do that and everyone just keeps not... I'll tell you what, the I think it's the second episode, third episode, no. Third episode, he doesn't appear at all. Right, right, right. No, it's um, Come and Get Your Love. When come and we- get your love. Fifth episode, when he runs into Wes Studi, who, the Sphinx from Mystery Men. That's another movie I haven't watched in a long fucking time. And it's one of my favorite responses ever. Because my name is Cheese, my pronouns are he, him, his. Hmm. 
Same as mine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of how I want to talk about other... I, th there's two characters I want to talk about real quick. Yeah. And it's the two little people... Oh, Moe's and Miko. Moe's and Miko. I fucking love Moe's and Miko. Just hanging out on their bikes, riding around, always wearing matching stuff. Just rapping? Yeah, so they are uh, an actual rap duo. Uh, they rap under the names Lil Mike and Funny Bone. Well, on the nose there, but okay. But I love Moe's and Miko. There was, I was looking up the Wikipedia, and it describes... Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> it describes Moe's and Miko as something, and I'm trying to remember what it was, like some kind of storytelling device. Well, I mean, they're the ones that keep giving you updates on just how the feud is going. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the feud that no one gives a shit about except for Moe's and Miko and I guess Bear and Jackie. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> they're not just about the feud. They're just kind of about oh, if they want to explain something about the community to you, they tend to use Moe's and Miko for it. Yeah, they'll just pop in and fuck, I love those guys. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> I just, Good. I want more of them. Yeah, because otherwise, uh, I mean, the only other, like, really big character this season, and he's not even that big this season, would be uh, Gary Farmer's Uncle Brownie. The Uncle Brownie episode is really good. This whole thing is such an interesting exploration of grief, and the, like, the the fact that it's not singular, like, because there's the grief of the death of Daniel, but there's also the grief of Alora Dannon's mother and how they all kind of link together and the way that Brownie is mourning his sister, even though it's not his sister, is so similar to the way that Alora is grieving Daniel. There, okay, the, the brownie cookie thing ends up being a little weird by the end of the series because they show a picture of them together and in that, like, of their young selves, uh -huh. and they kind of make them look the same age, but it's made really clear by the end of the season or by the end of the series that brownie probably would have been, like, 10, 12 years older at minimum. Okay. Because he's actually, like... Uh, like more of the age range of like Fixico and like West Studi's character, Bucky. That tracks because we see the coach who was Cookie's age. Mm -hmm. Big uh, and Bobson are more Cookie's age. Okay. And I guess Kenny Boy, but he wouldn't have been around then. Yeah. Or at least he was never shown as being around then when you, when you do see some of the stuff later on, so... The moment that Coach was like, Cookie used to call me, I don't remember what it was. Oh, Chokichi. Uh, Chokichi. He says it means this, and I was like, no, it fucking didn't. What is it at? And so... By the end of the episode <laughs> when it's toilet? <laughs> you know how many Indians I've told that to, and they've never... And like, yeah, that's why. The fact that you keep telling people this. So good. So funny. I I loved his character in like coach Bobson. Coach Bobson, way more than I was expecting to. It is really disconcerting to see him with that, I have to assume, bald wig on. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, he knocks it out of the park that episode, though. 
let's see what's uh, what are what are some things we might not hit on yet from some of these episodes because we did kind of jump around a little bit just talking about some of this stuff but this is a hard show to talk about because like not a lot happens but a lot happens like the whole episode where cheese is traveling with big that's maybe one of my favorite episodes because that's great also fucking episode but not a ton happens well that's also uh dear lady dude dear lady is fucking horrifying and i don't know why it's not that i was expecting the actress who plays tannis to play tannis but there is something about seeing her like i just think of her as tannis because i'd only ever seen her in that and she plays that character so well that i was just like holy shit tannis you are terrifying as the dear lady dear lady they kind of explain in the show like that everything they say about dear lady that's pretty much the legend surrounding dear lady uh, for for the tribes that have dear lady, she shows up and kills bad men. Yeah, or men who who hurt or wrong women or children. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the only part that they didn't get into is that like, if you're a like a good woman, especially that like has her favor, then she'll she kind of grants you like sexy powers. <laughs> that, like like if you have the favor of dear lady, then like people want people want you good for you good for you pro dear lady person <laughs> like there's a flip side to it it's not just that she's like a boogeyman i assume we're gonna get more dear lady we will get more dear lady it's just it's so built up for that way which was the person which was the one of them that in the first episode said that one of their family members <laughs> was married to dear lady yeah willie jack says that her uncle was married to dear lady for a couple of years <laughs> has dirty pictures <laughs> I don't think I I think when I've brought it up in the past you've mentioned you haven't seen the movie so the energy drink Skucks that's a Taika shout out mm, from uh, Hunt for the Wilder People yes because um I don't know if it's just that movie or if it is actual New Zealand slang but that is some slang from that movie ah, I'll be honest my awareness of uh, Taika's body of work is not large yeah i still need to see a few of his earlier things like i've still never seen boy which is supposed to be really good and a couple of the others but hunt for the wilder people is a fucking magical movie holy cow it's good i've seen thor ragnarok and what we do in the shadows and our flag means death and i guess the one episode of mando that he did <laughs> the fucking owls being pixelated is so good i didn't get that so not once again 500 different tribes in the united states of course. but a lot of tribes have different superstitions concerning owls there's some some tribes don't want to see an owl in general they would have preferred the show pixelated the entire thing not just the eyes okay some tribes it's okay to see an owl but you don't want to look at them but... you don't necessarily want to look them in the eyes some of them, it's okay to see an owl, but if it looks at you and screeches, then it means you're going to die soon. So that's why you pixelate the eyes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they immediately showed up and were like, shit, fucking bad medicine. Like, because immediately they're like, this motherfucker's, because he wants to keep away from people. Brownie's been living out there by himself for a long time. And so he put that up, keep people away, because they know, as soon as they see that, fuck that, that's an owl. Fucking 
Brownie in the final episode on a lawnmower he stole looking for an axe so he can go so stop can turn the, the tornado. tornado. And then, I mean, first of all, showing, uh, like, waking up naked and talking to Knifeman. But also the, the scene with uh, Big and Brownie <laughs> is so funny. Oh, my God. Big is really interesting because, like, okay, I am pretty anti-cop at this point. Even if I recognize, I, I believe there does need to be some form of police force, even if the way that we have it is ridiculously broken. My and first note on the Come and Get Your Love episode is, this is what police should be. Yeah. He is here to look after his community. I'm sorry, you wrote all of this like episode by episode, and then we did not. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm jumping around. I know where we're at. I've, I've, watched, this, I've watched this show three times in the past week. Like, we never discuss these episodes beforehand. We just start talking and see where it goes. So sometimes we're like, let's talk this episode and then that episode. But yeah. Um, yeah, big is what cops should be. Preferably not a conspiracy theorist. Right. But, but, <laughs> the, but the way that he... Yeah is within the community that's how it should be yeah, if we're just... gonna have police then it should be basic like he should be the fucking like <laughs> the template yeah kind of goofy not very threatening and just there to look after his community yeah taking down the bad guys Bucky wasn't a bad guy he's doing some dumb shit I had to tell him not to be a shit ass Tell him to knock the fuck off because he's scaring people. But he wasn't a bad guy. Oh, right, the fucking guy putting up the copper. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, it's your lucky day, Brownie. Fucking put that away. I'm going to the church. You now don't need white man's God. There's a storm shelter there, Brownie. Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking black heart traitor. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Hey, white Jesus. That made me laugh every time someone said Oh, yeah, sup, white Jesus. Every time. Every time. It's not going to stop. Not good. It shouldn't. It's what I think of when I see those pictures now, too. Dude, oh my god. It's so disgusting, but I always laugh so hard at the deer exploding. Oh my god, it is really funny. And I know people who do roadkill pickup like that. The hunting episode was interesting. I mean, just to circle back for a sec. I don't hunt, but Cece's family all hunt. And in some ways, these guys are not doing good hunting practices in a lot of ways, not just the fact that they're technically poachers. <laughs> there might be poachers, not poachers like us, but... Uh, I like how they did that episode after the story from Dr. Dad, potential Dr. Dad, though, mm -hmm. about, like, not to make it all right, but to show how the waters are muddied. Was that Dr. Dad's property? No, it would have been somebody else. Because okay. we see the Texas Ranchers. Oh, yeah, te Texas Ranchers. And it's such a, I mean, it's a real legitimate problem of poor people selling land and then to Texas oil barons. It happens a lot, specifically Texas oil barons. Well, I mean, um, I, as I, cause I said, I was listening to that interview with, with Sterling Harjo and um, Mark at one point asked him, like, well, did you, did you, like, you're from Oklahoma, I know that, like, did you grow up on the res? And Sterling's like, 
So technically my town started off as part of the reservation and that's like what it was started as was a res town and then somebody found oil nearby. Well, and a thing that's talked about of, um, see, I, I only know about this because the CC, it's a real problem in Montana right now because you can't go on private property to hunt. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, I guess. Like, that, you know, legitimately fair enough. But the problem is that a lot of rich fucks are buying property and they're buying property that is surrounding public property. So you can't get on the public, anyone can hunt your property unless you go across the private property Mm -hmm. and you have to get permission to do that and they're not doing it. So these fucking rich assholes are not just having the private property, but they have managed to find ways to make the public property that is supposed to be able to be used. And I am pro ethical hunting, ethical hunting. Mm -hmm. So it's a real problem when people are turning Privatizing public land is such a problem, like such a danger in Montana, and it's not wildly happening, but like every couple of years, people people keep pushing for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And with our current governor being a guy who's done that in the past, it's uh, a constant source of concern. While we're on the hunting episode, though, the tall man bit kind of looks like a hairy Jawa to me. I'm sorry, I can't un- like the eyes. So I first off, yeah. The turkey is far more Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, the tall man bit, though, is is kind of interesting and important. Uh, as I pointed out, like, as we went into this episode, that it's it's a Muskogee reservation, but there's a lot of tribes in the area. And, they, and just a lot of tribes are represented by the writer's room and the actors themselves. And some things were brought over here and there as they, as they made sense to how it affects the community as a whole. And Tall Man comes more from uh, the Lakota and Dakota Mm -hmm. tribes and is, in fact, associated mostly teen suicide. Mm, I did not know that. Basically, like, you see him and that's what you go do. Okay, that adds layers that I hadn't understood um, there's there. once again much like dear lady there's there's different variations and not all of them are are even called tall man um well and he basically i'm just trying to think of timeline here because he was he saw tall man when he was putting out the deer corn and the last time he saw daniel was when he was putting deer corn in the truck to go see tall man or not to see tall man to go put it out the next morning so it would have been Sees Daniel for the last time, not knowing it's for the last time. Goes out and sees the tall man. Finds out about Daniel. Mm -hmm. So, okay. The tall man seems, as much as I just said he looks like a hairy Jawa, and at first it did kind of like, didn't quite work for me. It actually ends up being really beautiful scenes. And it doesn't need to look perfectly realistic, because that's not the fucking point of what's Mm -hmm. happening here. And so, like, I am, I'm with you. Like, the turkey is pretty obviously Daniel, but I don't especially because he leaves with them, right? But I don't think Tall Man is not Daniel, if that makes sense. I think Turk, the turkey is Daniel, and the Tall Man is the effects of what Daniel did, kind mm-hmm. of like 
it's it's an echo of that part of Daniel, but yeah. it's not it's not all of what is there mm-hmm. or what he really should be remembered as either. Willie Jack does a pretty good job of remembering Daniel as the turkey while Alora's only dealing with the tall man. I'm stretching that metaphor, but, but no, I think you're I think mostly you're kind of accurate. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's a God, it's an incredibly powerful episode. And especially once you know some of that tall man stuff. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of a bummer, but parts of this season are. <laughs> I can't use uh, Skoden, but I will be using shit-ass a lot <laughs> going forward. Not to, like, ruin our point there, but... <laughs> Oof. Dude, the Texas ranchers walking through was so fucking funny, though. They're just like, stock market. Immigrants. Can't forget the gays. <laughs> it's barely a parody. Yeah. <laughs> it's barely a parody. Oh my God. And as again, we live in Montana. Obviously Montana is very different from Oklahoma, but like rural places, particularly with any kind of native population and you get rich fuckhead cowboys coming in and they have that entitled horseshit. Uh, Oh, the other thing that the kind of was thinking of is the, the the two white people that hit the deer in episode two and they're having their like the land back conversation. Yeah, I get that they want some of their land back. Is that what they mean? They want some of their land back? And like it's not a conversation with my mom, but it's a conversation with people that my mom would have been friends with. Also, the son of a bitch, I'm part native. Like, <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up, woman. Oh. Yeah, that's all entertaining. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, I that that intro part does make me laugh though, just because just like wait 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 all of it? No, it's got to be some of it, right? Some of it. Desperately trying to like <laughs> find ways, and you know what? I have been gu- not. I have been guilty of like, oh, they want some of it back, not all of it back. But like, yeah, I'm a white boy that lives on stolen land. I have had that wrestling thing of this is my home. I have lived here for my entire life. My family has lived here for generations and that's not untrue. Even though I am aware that on the scale of things, it's fucking nothing at the same time. And I don't have a fucking answer for that. It's just something I think about a lot, you know, one, cause again, I'm very aware that I live on stolen land and, uh, there's always some shithead that's like, well, yeah, everywhere's stolen from somewhere. Else. No, shut the fuck up, man. I just want to say one more. The fucking dick medallions get me every time. The fact that every medallion she makes looks like a fucking penis. Also, just, I don't remember that aunt's name, but the scary aunt and... Oh, yeah, like, Auntie B. Auntie B. And I'm like, she's fucking terrifying. And I was like, ah. Uh. And then she opens the door with a fucking uh, <laughs> <Box>. carpet knife. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. She's scary. I get it now. <laughs> Ooh, oh my God. Reed is the best at the end of that episode, though, with Bear in the car. Mm-hmm. That is such a powerful mom moment of like, all right, if you want your father in your life, that's fine. You have to understand this. It'll never be on your terms. Tell me what you need, and I'll respect that. It's such a... such a powerful 
thing. <laughs> For it to go into the the slowed down like acoustic version of Greasy Fry Bread. I hate that fucking song. The only way I've been able to get it out of my head is have I told you about the song Red Flags? Oh no. Okay, so there's this woman named Montaigne. She's an okay. actual really talented, amazing singer. She was on fucking Eurovision. Okay. Like, she's really good. She's also a giant weirdo nerd. And she did the, when the My Brother, My Brother and Me needed to change their theme song, she made one for them. But she teamed up with Tom Cardi, who's this guy that just does weird songs. Mm -hmm. Just, he has a song about being a businessman. Like, he's... And the song Red Flags is a, story, a song these two do together about this guy on a blind date and it's going really fucking well until he finds out that the girl he's on a date with is fucking obsessed with human centipede. Oh, okay. And like, he's like, I'm going to fucking die. And then it ends up like falling in love with her and they end up talking about making a human centipede themed. She directly just wants to make one. And it's really fucking catchy and I cannot sing it at work. <laughs> uh, human centipede, human centipede. But what bums me out about this song, I looked up Montaigne on Spotify and it's in like her top three. Okay. She has albums worth of fucking gorgeous music and fucking cute. The human centipede song where she openly talks about wanting to sew, sew a mouth to a butt. So the only way I've been able to get greasy fry bread out of my head is human centipede. <laughs> That's wild. Um, see, I just, if I have greasy fry bread stuck in my song, in my head, I just go on to the next episode and get, come and get your love stuck in my head. That's instead. fair. The other problem is, well, it, it also will just pop into my head when I'm not watching the show. Mm -hmm. Like I'll just, you know, I do an eight hour dish shift. So just random, like whatever gets in your head, just, yeah lives there for a while in that room. Uh, so come and get your love is a good one. That would work. It also just makes me mad that I haven't had fry bread in fucking years. Oh man. Every time. Yeah. Dude, greasy fry bread just makes me want an Indian taco so bad. Well, and okay. So, I mean, the fairgrounds is right net, right near your house. And, uh, the only reason I was going to the fair by the end before I finally was just like, I'm not paying 20 bucks for this was so I could go get fry bread. Yeah. So like you said, I'm just down the street from the fairgrounds every year. I get excited because I love fair food just in general and pretty much just the fry bread. <laughs> and this year I was just like, oh man, because I know that like you can like there's places that you can go get Vikings year round close by, but I like saving them for just the fair. Oh Yeah. Partially because I don't need to be eating that shit all the time. You should explain what a Viking is to people who don't hang out at the Missoula Fair. Um, turn a Swedish meatball into a corn dog. <laughs> yeah, it is not good for you. <laughs> Wait, where the fuck do we sell Vikings in town that are? I think you can get them out in Eastmo. Uh, yeah, that tracks. But like, I like I said, I first off, I don't want to go to Eastmo just for a Viking. <laughs> But, uh, like, this year I was like, oh, cool, I'm going to go get my Vikings, like, because that's all I do is I walk down there, get some food, and I walk back, and I have it with, like, watching shit I want to watch and not being around all the fair people. Mm -hmm. And so I, 
I went and it was while the third season was going. So I went and got some Vikings. I sat down and I turned on one of the episodes of Reservation Dogs. And as I was chewing on it, I'm like, this is the whitest food I could be eating watching this. I feel really. <laughs> I'm like. This this needs to be rectified somehow. And so the next day I woke up and the first thing I did was I got I got dressed, walked back down to the fair and I got an Indian taco and some fry bread for lunch. Oh, man. There from was, the All Nations Health Center booth. I don't remember why, but there was always like two days a year where someone at my school was selling fry bread at my high school. And it was, I don't get in fights, but I would just about get into a fight when it was fry bread day and if there was someone between me and the fucking fry bread. Also, I was definitely called an Indian taco all the time growing up by my native friends. So, Yeah, that tracks with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm just like, well, at least I'm delicious. Been called worse, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we're just about wrapped up. I think I think so too. I think we hit a lot of the big stuff. I think we hit almost all the big stuff. We just didn't do it in order. <laughs> I honestly, like, I cannot recommend this show enough. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, th this is the podcast about liking things. We always try to find stuff that we like about stuff. We generally talk about stuff that we know at least one of us enjoys. As like as important as Ted Lasso is to me or Shorzy is to me, and we'll be discussing Shorzy season two soon. This show is important in a different way. And I mean, even if it is kind of tried to go representation matters, but Jesus fucking Christ representation matters. It look it matters, but it's also not often that it comes this well done. Yeah. And like they kind of had to hit it out of the park because there's so little representation that like, if you fuck up, you might fuck it over for people for five to 10 years. Cause they don't want to risk that money again. Bullshit. And it sucks so hard, but like, well done you guys. Holy yeah. fuck. Didn't fuck it up. Not, not by any stretch of the imagination. This is like, I, like I said, it's impossible for me to be unbiased talking about this show, but especially by the end of it, I, it's one of the, best stories I've ever like in, ingested in any form. Yep. <laughs> so we'll get there. Yep. We'll get there. I mean, we will get there within the next three months. I, th I, I will suggest to you my plan for going forward in a cup after the episode, but uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll get through all three seasons before to the end of the year, but we should buy like March at the latest works for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to watch them again. This is, so this is the other thing that I was thinking about when watching it this week was like as like tough and sad as some of these episodes are. This is still a show that's like in my just like throw on in the background zone. And I think that's why like I couldn't quite connect with Comey. Because it's not because it, there's not enough like I'm OK with this being like my baseline for like comfort. That's fair. I don't know if this is one of my background ones, but I mean, it's just. I also Comey's not a background show for me. Comey is something I do watch to just like. But I guess that's what I was getting at. Like, this yeah. is a comfort show for me. Like the last time I got COVID, the third season wasn't out yet, but I watched seasons one and two back to back like five times in a row. Fair enough. And I think that's just like 
because my like this is where my comfort baseline is for whatever fucked up reason that might be. Do a fucking horror podcast. Also, did I tell you that after I uh, after I told CC that you didn't want to do the next season of Comey because in your words nothing happens, and then any time there was like she'd be like, "What do you mean nothing? What does Tyler mean nothing happens? Comey has to go deliver a letter." <laughs> like, <laughs> We ran that joke so many times over the next two weeks. Nice. Like, nice, nice. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Brownie punched out thirty people and two cops. Fuck, that's good. Oh, I can't believe we didn't get to that part. Actually, the way that he caught Brownie's elbow was like legitimately pretty good. There. Mm-hmm. I I didn't notice how many until this like sit down where I'm actually watching and taking notes. I didn't notice how many times through that episode Bear tried to swing on Brownie and Brownie caught it. How many times? It happens like two or three times. Okay, I only remember like one and then the one that Brownie throws at him, but Mm -hmm. that makes sense. God, I want more Brownie. Yeah. I know later seasons will have a lot more of the older folks, and I'm excited for that because they are the parts that I kind of find most compelling, and maybe I'm just getting old. Um, next time we'll have a thing and based off what we're talking about, it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, we're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe. However you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us, however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple podcasts, we would super appreciate it as the whole world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.